Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. Hello everyone, it's uh, Phil Tarrant here. Welcome to Investing Insights of the Right Property Group. This is our 12th episode as part of this series, so the conclusion of Series 1 of the Investing Insights of the Right Property Group. And back in the studio to help me out with this, I have uh, Victor Kumar and Steve Waters, directors, co-directors of the Right Property Group. Guys, how are you going? Well, mate, how are you? Good, good. Victor, what's been going on, mate? Mate, plenty. Yeah, plenty. Yeah. I think we started the same podcast last time, exactly the same exactly way. Exactly the same way. What's been going on? <laughs> we haven't got a lot <laughs> to say. Are you you have you? <laughs> Mate, quite, see how I always lead to him first because I know he's got rapport and banter, whereas yeah. I went to you to be silenced. You know? <laughs> oh, well, I'm just the boring guy, apparently. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, obviously, Victor, Vic, Victor's my guy. He knows what's happening. He's yeah. got his finger on the pulse of property in Australia. A year down the track, nothing's, nothing's, nothing's really changed, changed, right? <laughs> How's it been? You enjoy the year? Yeah, it's been been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah lots of changes in terms of finance, lots of, lots of uh, changes in terms of where the market is and, and so forth, but the fundamentals never change. That's good. So how would you explain Right Property Group a year ago to Right Property Group today? What's What's been the biggest sort of evolution with you guys and your business? How oh. we got a year older. <laughs> you look younger. I don't know, you've been, a, you've been, you've been getting some Botox or something. <laughs> Carver. Carver. <laughs> Carver. That, that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's my secret. Carver and curry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move straight along from that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, what's, been, what's, what's the difference? I know you guys have been busy. Um, um, uh, as a lot of our listeners know, uh, I, I personally use you as my buyer's agent, so I'm fortunate to spend a lot of time with you guys and um, you know, just watching the evolution. But markets change, mm-hmm. um, people change, finance change, banking rules change, but there's a lot of consistencies in property investment as well, isn't there? Absolutely. And, and for people that have uh, always addressed cash flow, uh, in, in, in other words, affordability of the property itself. Not a lot has changed, uh, except perhaps that their ability previously would have been to perhaps buy um, three or four in a year, uh, and now it's possibly two because of the constraints in terms of finance. Um, uh, the markets still are very much um, uh, the same in, in the areas that we were buying in the um, uh, 12 months ago as to where we're buying right now. Um, it hasn't changed substantially in that sense. Um, and and certainly we've had an uh, had a budget uh, in in the midst of that as well, and we've had changes in terms of uh, how depreciation works and how how negative gearing uh, works now, uh, as opposed to what it was 12 months ago. And um, um, as far as um, uh, the RPG uh, clientele is concerned, and our outlook on the market, nothing's really changed. Uh, the fundamentals are still the same. We've never taken tax into account. Uh, as a incentive to invest in property, certainly it is it is a nice add-on bonus, uh, but never an incentive to invest. So, as far as we are concerned, uh, it's a business as usual. Mm. And for property investors, I, I'd probably concur with that. There's a lot of commonality, irrespective of what's going on with the market or the stuff you can't control. When I look at my portfolio and the way that I'm investing, I'm still investing the same way I've always invested. Mm-hmm. I might be investing in different locations, but my fundamental strategy and process is the same. Absolutely. Um, and Steve, I know for as long as I've known you, you've said you've said the same thing. You know, your your strategy will evolve, your goalposts may change as you get more mature and sophisticated in investing, but um, there's a lot of commonalities. It's okay for things to be the same in property investing. It's okay to keep repeating the process if it works. And even though it might not be sexy and exciting, mm. um, you've got to remember what the end game is, right? Always, and, and that's the problem. Probably the problem is that people do get bored with just the same process that yeah happens to work as well. Mm. Uh, so they tend to venture out and perhaps roll the dice, do something a little bit more risky, like developing or bringing something mm-hmm. up out of the ground. When when the fundamentals and the way that you research or go about property investing 
doesn't change, and you know, for the most it shouldn't, the real uncommon factor there is finance. It's always finance. It's the ability to get money. It's a game the, of finance, isn't it? It is. The ability to recycle money, the cost of money. Uh, that's the that's the, the, the linchpin to everything. And we've had some changes, as Vic said, um, which were well Significant needed. Significant changes. Significant changes and were well needed. Uh, it's something that we've been talking about for probably for the last couple of years, mm. that money needed to tighten. Uh, it, was, it was too loose. Too many people were getting it that perhaps shouldn't. Uh, and too many areas were being financed heavily in terms of suburbs. So the changes that we've had have, whether it be you know, the levers that APRA have pulled via the banks and so on, uh, I believe they've worked. And I think they'll continue to work. Now, having said that, though, I'd, I'd probably suggest that they could tweak it a little more in, in terms of you know, postcodes, perhaps, rather than just blanket uh, approach. Uh, so I don't think much will change from that point of view. Money will still be tight, and the good investors or the, or the real investors, the sophisticated investor, they'll, they'll continue on. You know, they're, mm. they're enjoying this moment in time so that the general public is perhaps finding it a little harder as well. Yeah, and, and you know, saying on the on the theme of one year on, this is the the, the 12th uh, episode as part of the series, monthly episode. You know, I'm seeing in our portfolio the cyclical nature of property and, and property is influenced by all these levers that can get pulled, which shape, you know, investors' capacity to, number one, borrow money, and number two, their appetite to borrow money within the context of macro, micro, yeah. economic factors. And and I was on the phone to you the other day and you said, Phil, got good news and bad news. Um, um, from what I understand... Three of your properties out in Western Sydney uh, are becoming vacant. The good news is, is all the rents are going to go up. So we're yep. at that point right now where, when we secured these properties six or so years ago, um, subsequent to that, sort of two three years, heaps of investors got out to that market Western Sydney. I'm talking sort of Mount Drill way. Yep. Um, and what happened was that rents come off because there was so much property in the market to to invest in. Now we're seeing that cyclical change. Now we're seeing a slowing of property prices out in western suburb city they haven't stopped they haven't gone backwards they've just slowed in their growth therefore the attractiveness of that market for investors the investors moved elsewhere so we're seeing positive pressure now placed on on on, on rents which on has rents, got to improve yeah. yields yep. this is just the nature of property investment and it's very cyclical it, it mm. happens every cycle mm. um doesn't matter where the area usually when you get an uplift in price you do get a, a reduction in rents purely just from availability of, accom- uh, of accommodation as you say it steadies out you get that point of equilibrium and, and then things start to reverse again in terms of uh, cash flow on the way up. We've got the perfect scenario though over the last 12 months where money is still very, very cheap. So our ability to be able to hold the properties perhaps while rent has reduced slightly hasn't really hurt us too much as opposed to go back, I don't know, five, six years ago when rates were at 6%, 7%. Which is normal. Which is normal. Um, then you would have seen a lot more perhaps urgency within the market this year. We haven't had it next year. Yeah, I'd probably suggest we will. Yeah, so so what we're painting here for our listeners is um, the cyclical nature of property investment, and and obviously we use a, a very tangible example there of of price growth slowing, western suburbs, rents going up, which is good. Um, there's a lot of investor activity at the moment up in the the Brisbane area. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys are up there. We're investing up there. There's some other buyers agents up in that marketplace for good reason, and um, you know we, we've discussed that beforehand. Property investment, and and you guys do this day in day out every single day it's really identifying what are the drivers for growth in suburbs what are the drivers for increases in yields and you mirror and match all that together to actually identify places to invest in you're up in brizzy right now but i know you guys have been on the road recently looking at some new spots uh, around australia looking for that next location to be investing in and i'm really quite interested because i was on the phone you guys uh I think it was last week and you're on speaker i think you're together you're driving somewhere what are you guys up to and you went we're out 
looking at some new areas. So I obviously tapped you up and said, where were you? And you're in Perth. <laughs> um, but, but what I want to do, and, and, and really the, 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 the basis of today's chat, and I think we've sort of organically got to a good point, so we're going to have a chat about this, is um, the science of researching a new market. I, I really want to dig down into that. So, um, you know, we can talk about fundamentals and you've got to find places that's got wage growth, population growth, infrastructure growth. We all know that. Okay, let's, it's a given we know that. But what is the true science of researching a market? So you boys, you fly out to Perth, you land at the, the, um, the airport there, you get your hire car. What do you do? What, what happens? What's next? You were there for about a week or so, I think, or yeah, three, a week, four days, a week. Well, what, what do you do? Like, you know, and, and, and obviously you're buyer's agents, you're out there looking for clients, but um, a lot of people that listen to this, they do this themselves. Yeah, that's cool. So let's get some of those gems from you guys. What do you do? How do you how do you do it? Sure. Bef- before we start, I just want to put it out there that we're not endorsing that Perth, the place to be right now. No. Uh, in that sense, we're still in research phase. Uh, and uh, for, for you listeners out there, um, you really need to look at your individual circumstances to see whether it would be a market that you would want to get into right now. Um, and obviously, there's his disclaimer. Right? Well, I was going to add that. Good, 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 good disclaimer, Victor. Let me say, you know, remember that this is a, a general conversation yes. only. Anything we talk about is doesn't take into consideration your own circumstances. And we say this in jest, and we're giggling about it, but it's true. But um, it's for sure. Yeah. But, but, but to Victor's point. You know, this is the science of researching new market. Correct. You've yes. got to go out there. Mm-hmm. You've got to burn a shoe leather. You've got to get the ground truth. Use That's one right. of your terms, Steve. And just because you're out there doesn't mean you're going to buy there. You could have gone out there and gone, nah, no way in the world. And we'll Definitely. get to that. But but how do you do it? Well, nothing, as you said, nothing beats on-ground research, right? So you can do uh, as, as much research as you can um, behind a desktop. But once you're walking the streets, that's when you actually, um, in, in a good sense, um, that's when you that's when you actually get the true vibe of of the area as to, you know, what's the confidence level in uh, with the locals? What's the um, uh, confidence levels in terms of the businesses in that area? Are they are they uh, all doom and gloom, or are they seeing rays of sunshine coming through the gloom in that sense? Um, and and it's really important to catch that because at the end of the day. It is the local sentiment that kickstarts the economy in there, uh, along with confidence in the market. And once the confidence in the market starts building up, that's when um, a, a lot of the um, media, a lot of the um, lay investors, they start um, catching on to that area and it starts get, gathering its own momentum. So the secret of uh, investing really successfully, which is what we help our clients do, is to be ahead of the curve. Uh, to be um, there on the ground before it becomes a vogue area to invest in. Uh, so if you come back to your Mount Roots, your, your Camel Towns of New South Wales or the Logans of Brisbane, that's what we did in that sense, is actually physically went on the ground. Uh, and uh, obviously, if we talk talking Perth, the fir- very first thing we did when we when he picked up our car was wait for Steve to work out his uh, his uh, GPS and connect his phone on the. <laughs> Who's the driver? Uh, Steve's oh, the driver. That would be me. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, he's Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Just this is really really important. We reverse really important. <laughs> did, did you guys like? You know, I've seen what you drive, Victor. Um, uh, did you guys get like? A a, did you guys get a, a Kia or did you get something a little bit fancier? No, I'm like I'm six foot three. I need a SUV, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the good sat nav. All right. Yeah, that's so, it. So, so you drive, you you sleep. You, you, sleep. you, you sleep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But what do you do? What was the first thing you did? Look, you I, if we if we just go back one yeah. step, and because you know you talked about the fundamentals, and we all know about that, and that's that's for real. Um, before we actually go to the air, this has been probably three months worth of yeah, good online fund, research. Yeah, yeah, fundamental 
research beforehand. Mm. Um, yeah. What sort of research is that though? Is that just just getting a feel for the market? Obviously, data, data, data. Yeah. Painting pictures. Yeah. You know, talking, talking to, to a lot agents. of people as well. Okay. Agents. Yeah. Talking yeah. to a lot of agents. Talking to a lot of other uh, industry guys over there. Uh, because everyone's got an agenda at the end of the day who's local to the area. Um, and so we're trying to sort the wheat from the chaff, so, so to speak, other than data, data, data. So as soon as we, the, the very first thing when we go into any area, and we're only talking about Perth because that's the latest one that we're at, um, the very first thing we do is we literally want to see who's at the airport, how many people are at the airport are coming in, how many are going out. And if we That talk, matters, right? Oh, well, it does because I'm, I'm trying to look for... Blokes in fluoro. Exactly. Like high, high, yeah, yeah, high vis, whether yeah. it's on, whether it's off. Um, and we all know it's off. But, you know, how many tourist dollars are there? How many you know, or tourist, tourists are there? Um, which is pretty easy to spot. But also how much are people spending straight away? So we obviously, we're out of the airport now. And one of the very first things we do is we, we obviously check into our hotel and we go out straight away. I want to know who's spending that disposable income. Are the pubs dead? Are the coffee, are the coffee shops mm-hmm. silent? Um, the shopping the, malls. The shopping malls, which, yeah, we'll get to that in the, in the, in the minute, I suppose. Um, but it's talking. We do a lot of talking, we do a lot of sitting, and we do a lot of people watching. Yeah, voyeurism, if you will. Street <laughs> um, walking. Sort of. <laughs> <Lightstick> style, I've heard it. Anyway, moving right along. Yeah, right, yeah. Moving right along. Um, and although it sounds very, very basic, yeah. um, it's often the best sort of research that you can that you can do. And we're trying to compile it all together along with our data and data and data and everything mm-hmm. else that we've learned beforehand. Um, but usually the first couple of days are around just purely people watching. Um, and Vic mentioned shopping center. So, you know, if we, if we once again talk about Perth, um, we went to maybe 20 huge, large shopping centers. Really? Mm-hmm. Because it's in different areas because we're trying to see how many people are in there. Well, first of all, how many cars are in the car park? And once again, I can just see, I can, I can see it's getting slammed for this from the purists uh, and the data collectors and what have you saying, well, that's pretty basic, basic information, but I challenge anyone to beat it mm. uh, in terms of authenticity and, and mm. how it works. How many cars are in the car park? What sort of cars are in the car park? How many people are in the coffee shops walking through the shopping centers? Who's going into the shops? Who's actually handing over cash? What's the demeanor of the barber in, in, in the yeah, shopping center, right? Yeah, I know. I've got to say, Vicky, yeah. mate, you, you, you're looking pretty smart at the moment. Did you get a haircut out there? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> look very Ex- Extensions. Yeah. <laughs> Is a good extension. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but because that's the that's a catalyst for the, the economy of the shopping centers. Mm. And, um, so disposable income, really. Disposable income. Yeah. And... Look, and if we give use, once again, Perth as an example, some of the shopping centres, in fact, a lot, most of mm. the shopping centres we went to, the cafes were full, but, you know, it's $4 a coffee, but the shops were empty. So no one was walking into the shops and spending the money in a lot of these areas. So it's about people hanging on to their cash, hanging on to their money. Uh, they don't want to spend. And just the general nature of the people's um, demeanour, mm. their, their, their level of confidence was just not there in a lot of these areas. Now, having said that, in some of the other areas, it was a bipolar opposite. It was shopping centers full. It was a, a, a buzz of Is activity. Is this the higher, and I'll put it in inverted commas, higher economic, social, no, or, or the lower? No, lower, no, or no, just, no. No, there was, and that's a really good point. It, there was no correlation. Um, you know, the lower demographics, not spending money, the higher work, none of that. It was just random. And I'd say it was more about location to the CBD, to the mm. airports. Um, the infrastructure perhaps, mm. but then having said that, there was infrastructure everywhere we went. 
it was it was really interesting to see. Now, other than just obviously sitting in in the shopping centre, that's only the first port of call. Then we we like to you know, walk the streets, as Victor would say, it, and up the strip malls and strip malls, <laughs> not strip. <laughs> and, um, I think we're gonna have to. Do a yeah, I know. Yeah, but just the strip shops, just yeah. to see how many people are walking around and what have you. Now, it's really really important because you need to to judge the vibe of the area. And obviously on those in those types of areas, that's where the real estate agents are. Now, talking to your real estate agents is a, you know, it's a given. You wanna do that because they're gonna give you the sense of the market, but they're also gonna feed you a lot of rubbish as well. Because their job- Feed you the, rubbish about the area, feed you the rubbish crap. about- Yeah, they're just gonna, yeah, just about the area and how buoyant it is and, yeah. and how good it is and how good they are. So, so just on this point then, so what would be the five must ask questions to a real estate agent if you're just scoping out a zone. If you sort of, you know, rock up a shop front and go, hey, you've got an agent here, I want to have a chat with them. Mm. What would be those five things, you know, that organically you would want a response to? What would you What would you ask um, him or her? I'm going to take it that people have done a bit of research beforehand, days on market and all that sort of good yep. stuff. Uh, one of the very first questions I ask is, how many properties have you sold this month? Okay. Because I want to see the, the buoyancy of the market. Uh, how many properties or how big is your rent roll? And then how many have you got vacant today plus one week? Because that's going to give me a better indication of what the vacancy rates are in an area. I also want to know who the the gun lister is for the in the, in the office. So who is the agent that has the capacity to uh, get people to sell their property? Because they're the ones that control the deal, so to speak. Um, and that's in correlation with who's the how many they've sold this week. Um, I also want to know how many other agents are in the area uh, rather than me just look around and how often do they swap so mm. you know one's gone from you know Ray White to LJ Hookers as an example because that also gives you some and why that's an important question is it gives you some indication of how uh, happy they are within an area if, if an agent is bouncing from one office to another to another to another there is something very wrong in the fundamentals of that not that area economically but within the property cycle sales they're not making scenario. enough money so this they're is like the more money. intangible stuff this is right? stuff yeah, that yeah, you yeah, can't measure yeah, yeah. without asking yeah. and that's the whole purpose of it because people get they get they rely too much upon data whether it be from core logic or, or price finder or whatever it may be or agents statistics and and a lot of that is one old might be two three months old and it's gone uh, it also might be just lies or manipulation more to the point of data um, and so nothing beats the ground truth and honestly even though we're, we're talking about it and we're talking about it like with a little bit of tongue in cheek it is the most important thing that we do as as researchers is to actually be on the ground and absorb everything no matter how petty it may seem uh, the time that we spend mm -hmm. there and absorb it all and put it all into the pot to get you know, a, a feel for the area is ever so important. Yeah, and, and this is the point, we've spoken about this uh, on, on Investing Insights, but also on the Smart Property Investment Show. Uh, one of the reasons why I, I use a buyer's agent is that, you know, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to, if I'm doing it myself, compete with guys like you who are this depth of true market research, you know, that anyone can get the data, right? It's how you choose to interpret the data. Absolutely. It's totally yep. up to you. And 100%. a lot of people always yep. try and interpret, interp they always look for the good in data to yep. justify a point rather than look at negatives. So that's a skill set in its own sense. Yep. And I think most people don't really know how to assess data because they do it with some sort of prejudice, either to prove a point or disprove a point. Absolutely. That's not yep. cool. You know, so uh, you're doing it yourself, keep that in mind. Um, but then all this more intangible stuff, but the real factual stuff about the true appreciation and understanding of a market, to break that down in micro elements to get a feel for, 
is there a potency for people to want to buy these properties mm. and therefore show price growth, which is what we want as an investor? So, Victor, you know, we've spoken about some really micro stuff like the feel of people, what it's like at the airport, getting to uh, shopping malls, shopping centres, getting a feel for spending. Then Steve got into some really more tangible stuff about speaking to agents. Mm. Um, what else is there that you can pick up if you're assessing a let, – let's say we've, we've corralled down to a suburb that you really mm. like the look of. What are those other things you look at when you start getting your car and driving the streets? What's what's next? What do you look for? Sure. Uh, and to put it in perspective, uh, this on-ground research is just not a once-off. So once um, our plan is to go go back down to Perth uh, in the next uh, next month or so. Yeah, this is the this is the, the that was prelim the, stuff. No, that was yeah. the, that was the third trip over. Third trip, yeah, yeah, third yeah. trip over. So it's not just a, a one-off occurrence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So uh, it it really it comes back to making sure that we're not we're Sydney-based. So we're making sure that we're not seeing the property there with Sydney eyes we got to see it from Perth eyes mm. so that way we, we, we can we can then know that there's a bargain there so we can spot the bargain based on local um, uh, price levels and not not from an interstate price level so when, when we're driving the um, uh, driving down the suburbs we look at things like uh, unkempt uh, properties uh, properties that have been up for rental for quite a while with signs falling over and so forth how many properties are obviously rental properties, how many are vacant and, and have be obviously been sitting there for a while. In Coming back to the agents itself, looking at their window display and seeing how all those display signs are, you know, how they faded from the sun, um, mm. which means that they've been holding on to their listing yeah. for a little while. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. It's a dead giveaway. Mm. Yeah. So those things. And then uh, amazingly enough, e- even though you could see that there, it is a slower market, there are still markets within markets where agents are a lot more buoyant and, and are absolutely making sales left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, there are other agents that, that are struggling. Uh, so when, when we as potential buyers are looking through, uh, through their window display, we probably would have been approached by maybe one or two yeah. agents. That was amazing, uh, yeah, hey? Like, that's right. You know, here you are having a potential customer standing outside your window, and I think there was only two agents, two agents that literally yeah. got off their backside and came out and said going to help you with anything now that that, to us that was just amazing um so the morale of the agents is pretty low very well yeah yeah they yeah it was very very low and a lot of them tried to perhaps uh talk it up you know when you ask them some some questions about the market and what have you and we don't go in there saying look we're you know we're buyers agents and strategists big hot shots from yeah no we don't (laughs) we don't yeah you you try and just blend a little bit Mm. um so you start to ask them the questions about you know how many they got in the market and so on and so forth and they're, and they're they're doing their best to be upbeat upbeat and a salesman and you let them go on for about fifteen minutes and and then at the end of it you literally we were just going so it's still crap hey and they go yeah you got us it's still crap when when do you disclose that you guys are buyers agents or do you usually after we've let them talk for a long time yeah because mm, um, okay. we don't want them to. We want them to be natural mm. and talk to us naturally uh, because a lot of what we do is is about dealing with agents that we feel we can create a relationship with. So if we've got some sort of imbecile over there that's a big shot and talking it up and what have you, yeah, we might be able to get a few properties off him, but I certainly don't want to create a ongoing relationship uh, with them. So we, we do need to gel. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So the other thing that we look in terms of research, like uh, one of the things that we did notice was that there is a lot of... Um, infrastructure going in in different areas yeah. right and uh, shopping malls like um, there's um, uh, about four shopping malls that getting about 350 mil plus being spent on them to ex- expand them um, one of the th- key things that we need to remember is that we should not confuse that activity 
as being signs of recovery because often uh, if you look at it from a uh, economic point of view if your market is slow the only way to kick start the market or attempt to kick start the market or to look at getting some buoyancy back in the market is for the local government and the state government to spend money on infrastructure mm. that creates the employment and therefore hopefully starts the momentum again yeah. so i think a lot of that is happening in perth at the moment with a lot of shopping centers that are being massively revamped uh, and it's it's really crucial that as res- uh, as part of research that it's not confused with um major infrastructure going in in the sense of um uh, a, a because they have to because to keep up with thing, demand yeah, yeah. and, and mm. it's not the case o- mm. o- over in a lot of the areas over there um whereas back here in in say sydney where we've been spending billions on infrastructure it's well needed it's it's, yeah. it's you know it's about time um other areas it's quite the opposite so i think part of the you know, the, the research or the on the ground truth uh part of research so to speak is ever so important and if and, and the problem that that people can have is that it does take time and it takes a lot of time it's not a weekend thing you know, if you wanted to buy a newcastle as an example you mm. wouldn't just go up there for the weekend and think that you're going to get some accurate you want um, to become a local you need to become a local yeah and that doesn't mean move there but for all intents and purposes you yeah. want to spend enough time there and i think people tend to to lack in that part of the the scope and mm. at the end of the day you are spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars you should put the time in to be able to to get a fair result and if you don't well then you, you reap what you sow that's right yeah so i was in perth um and look, I, I don't want this to be perth specific because what we're talking it's about it's not here bash is, perth day. Is, it's not yeah. bash perth but this is this is sort of this is a process that you can uh, look to engage at any market in any part of Australia, right? You know, you could fly out to Broken Hill tomorrow and do what you've just done, um, and it would be a very different experience, no doubt. So this is not Perth orientated, but um, I was out there earlier this year and I spent some time with some agents, and those guys are broken, right? You mm. know, the, the, the morale is is mm. is all time low. There's some good guys in the marketplace who are still kicking goals, mm-hmm. the hungry agents, yep. but um, a lot of them are just. You know, a lot of them front out they had their hands up and gone. Yeah, this is too hard. I'm, I'm yeah. out. I'm gone. Um, but you had some good guys still in the market operating hard. So and there's a lot of guys coming, like not not so much um, agents. There's a lot of the net migration numbers. There's a lot of people coming from over the west back over to the east looking mm-hmm. for work because there just isn't the work there, and that affects the whole economy quite obviously. Yeah. But just morale, like we talk about morale, it's morale's, morale's it's such every, an important thing. Yeah, morale, morale, morale dictates sentiment. Sentiment dictates people's actions, right? So, um, it's one of the fundamentals of it, and we've we've often talked about this. Yeah, you know, all these other things, such as supply and demand, and yada yada yada, a lot of it stems, if not most of it, or all of it, stems from consumer confidence mm. or morale. Local consumer confidence. Yeah, every, it, yeah, it's such a huge, huge player uh, in terms of where a market is, where and where it's going to go. So the morale of real estate agents there, so getting the read on this, and I think this is a really important thing because for me, one of the, the, the true um, uh, value-adding um, components of using a buyer's agents is this relationship with agents, right? You know, as an individual investor doing this yourself, it's, it's nearly impossible to replicate it. You just don't have the time or the bandwidth to create these relationships with agents. Mm. So do you guys like to find agents who are these guys who's got really low morale, they're, they're a bit broken, they're desperate, they're, they're probably struggling to, to do sales and therefore they might not be marketing property correctly or not being able to manage expectations of the vendor correctly. 
are they like gems for investors no. to actually find them? No, or are no. they the ones you don't want? I don't want them. I want, I want in a, in a situation where a market is perhaps um, dead, I really want to be dealing with the principal of the office, the owner mm. of the business, because in the day, at the end of the day, they're the ones that pay the bills. Yeah, and so they will make the sales. They will do what it, whatever they need to do. Now, I'm not being not, not talking about being um, unconscionable or anything like that, but yeah, you know, they perhaps could speak to the vendor a little better than perhaps the first year apprentice. Influence. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's really really important because the people that have got their tail between their legs, well, they're not trying any hard anyway they're probably looking for another job elsewhere mm. um you want someone who has a vested and you can build that relationship with the principal long term so he should, should be there in a year's time or two years time you'd hope so and one of the yep. metrics that we, we often talk about steve is um uh, just how proactive agents are in dealing with you guys as buyers agents so um often it's it's agents hassling you saying i've got property i've got property i've got property which is yep. a good point for you to negotiate on then markets shift and you're hassling and it's like right property and, who? And, and, right. They want, <laughs> and, and they don't want anything to do with yeah. you right yeah um, yeah and you see that shift that's a seesaw effect and you could probably each mm. time in each market you could probably work out when it when it swings absolutely swings one way or that's another a really good point but there's there's one element in there that's that's um the gray area and that is where they're they are so on their knees mm. that they couldn't even be bothered ringing you because and that might get a rejection and, and that might be perth mm. it's um, <laughs> it's like there there are some agents that are, that are hassling us and there mm. are some that are just like you know what i know you're not gonna i know you're not gonna do it yeah yeah you know, we know that you know your interpretation of the market is you know whatever it may be um so they've they've given up you know that it's just a death by butter knife for them mm. and are you, are you guys picking up anything in perth or you we've tried to like yeah. out of that out of a out of so the whole what's area. The, so what's, what, what is a really good buy in Perth at the moment then, if you uh, can get them? I think, look, for me, you know, obviously the infrastructure, you've got to be where, it, where, the, where the action is and where it's going to be. Um, shopping precincts and large shopping precincts are very, very important. Probably some of the larger blocks as well. Uh, it's like development potential or yeah, upside but, potential. Yeah. When we talk about development though, and, and just to be really clear, I'm not... Yeah, we're not interested in building four or five stories up. We're, I'm about controlling the opportunity and maybe some subdivisions. I'll let the developers be developers. Um, but I think something that I'm buying below cost of replacement, now that means in terms of purchasing the land and, and then construction, uh, and something that's going to give me a reasonable year to yield, cash flow, rent, to be able to control the property. Because no matter what anybody says, I don't think Perth is going to bounce tomorrow. I don't even think it's going to bounce next year. But this is about getting in where you can. Um, getting in ahead of recovery. Ahead of recovery, mm-hmm. but with enough cash flow to be able to support it and buying it well enough, which is really, really important, so that you've got some risk mitigation in there. Because, and not that this is all about Perth, and I, I can just hear all the Perth guys slamming me at the moment. I think if you've got, you got any problems, call one eight hundred. Yeah, I, I truly think. I really think that 80% of Perth, all the rhetoric and all the, the stuff in the media that we're seeing is just everybody trying to kickstart the industry, which you can't blame them for. My fear is that some people are actually believing that. And I would suggest to you that you go over there, anyone that's thinking of purchasing or not using a team of people around you to actually go over there and see for yourself because- Don't there, get caught there in is, the hype. Look, there is some hurt there. and. And there are still some places there which is you know, will classify within the um, you know, the 40 minutes of the CBD, which I believe if we get one interest rate rise or maybe even two, those people that are just hanging on, 
won't be able to hang on any further. Travel town. Yeah, and, and a really good indicator, like coming back to the indicators that we're looking for, we, the shopping centres, how many people are spending money, you want to be connecting with the people that their whole livelihood is around sales, you know, in, in terms of selling stuff to make a living. So not just the shops, but go to the car yards, go to the new cars and the used cars and see how many they're turning over, see how many's for sale. Uh, really, really important. Just see the check their buoyancy between their ears. Anything that's sales related, you need to be connecting with them because you want to see how tough it is or how good it is for them. So, so, so let's just summarise this. So you're looking at consumer sentiment. So sentiment to spend, right? That's, that's number one. Okay. Yeah. So, so how does sentiment to spend translate into positive pressure on on property prices? So therefore, they go up in value, which is what you want as a property investor. Yeah, really loosely, it makes the money wheel spin. Okay. So when there's consumer confidence, people spend, uh, and they they believe there's a future, mm. so to speak. And when there's a future, it usually means that there's a there's an increase in people wanting to live in an area, and therefore pressure on accommodation. And it just starts that whole cycle. Now, just because consumer confidence uh, comes from the the bottom of the cycle. And I'm just talking purely about consumer confidence here. Just because it starts to increase somewhat doesn't mean that there's going to be an immediate direct reflection mm -hmm. on property, which is what we're about. Fair it enough. does take some time, but it is just one of the, and probably one of the most important indicators that we're looking for so that we can get in ahead of time. It's just knowing when to pull the trigger. That's the $64 million question. Yeah. And, and Victor, I remember early doors when I met you, I, I spent a, an afternoon with you um, in Campbelltown. Yeah. Uh, checking out the joint and you know driving around and you pretty much knew every house and every street and every coffee shop and, and whatever right in terms of ground truth you knew it well and you were you were pretty deep in that market buying at that point in time this would have been 2011 11, I would imagine yep. but you're in that marketplace um you've done well out of it your clients have done well out of it we've got stuff in that market we've done well out of it but um I remember I remember going through that process and, and your depth of understanding and looking outside of the box in terms of what will make this a good investment opportunity. And I remember you explaining to me, um, this is quite when I was new to property investment, The everyone talks about location, location, location. Everyone talks about um, you need to have premium properties which are close to, close to the CBD. And, and you articulated to me, um, the CBD doesn't necessarily mean Sydney 2000, Melbourne 3000, Brisbane 4000. It's about it's about the the logic of um, what is a CBD. And you spoke about Canvertown, you spoke about Liverpool, you spoke about Blacktown, you spoke about um, Parramatta. You spoke about these satellite CBDs that have exactly the same impact and effect mm -hmm. as what a major CBD does. Can, can you sort of articulate that a bit for our, our listeners? I think it's important because in context of Perth, Perth is a big absolutely. It's regional town area, no, right huge. you know yeah. so you know it's its own cbd so you know does the same logic work in those those markets or is that only really working to be eastern states no no it, it, it certainly works in any market in the sense in any state and what you need to identify to, so to clarify on the strategy itself you need to be within metropolitan areas so within driving distance to the main cbd so if you're talking say um sydney uh, we're talking hour, hour and a half driving distance to, to Sydney CBD. Uh, and then you're looking at then the center of influence, uh, which is your employment hubs, your Liverpools, your Camel Towns, and you want to be within 10 minutes of those um, uh, those sub-CBDs. And if you did it that way, then, then um, regardless of what the economy is doing, you'll always have um, uh, properties that can be rented out, even though uh, you might need to discount your rent a little bit. Then you need to adjust it according to uh, the population and what's happening in that particular 
uh, state. So as an example, we can't apply the same formula uh, to say Adelaide as we would to Sydney, where Sydney, I'm quite now prepared to go up to one and a half hours from um, CBD, uh, whereas previously it was just an hour because of the expansion. But in Adelaide, if we if we even went out 45 minutes, uh, I think we're in the sticks in there. Yeah, it's too um, far. So 20 minutes is the max over there. So we need to look at it from those, those terms um, to make sure that we are investing in areas that will always be a liquid market uh, so that if things did change or if we did need to sell our property we're not struggling to offload it yeah so when it, when if we come back to our research in perth as an example the very first thing we did do was obviously look at where everything sits where each suburb is where the employment hubs are what were the employment hubs before taking away the mining towns right so we're still talking metropolitan in that sense uh, and uh, our desktop research was based on okay this is where the price points sit in this suburb uh, in these areas these are the price points in these areas this is what would make a good buy these are areas that still have liquidity uh, and then when we go on the ground so um, uh, we, we then visit each area each quadrant so, so to speak uh, to make sure that we're looking at uh, that sp- specific from Perth point of view but then even more specific in terms of that little demographic so that uh, as an example we could be looking at the parameter of of perth mm. and not treating it like the manly of perth and it's really important that we do that so once we've done that then we then we come away we reassess uh, we make some preemptive offers on properties that um, would make it a no-brainer to buy um, as a market test. Yeah, as a market yeah. test uh, to see whether it'll stick and, and, and um, sort of set the baseline and set the tone with the agents and see how uh, responsive they are to low offers or, or to offers that are a bit out of the ordinary uh, in, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. And it might be terms or conditions. Yeah, that's right. I think the biggest problem that people have is trying to get their head around things geographically mm. in it when they because they don't live in an and area. This is the point, even we yeah. struggle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what we do is we get the biggest map we can and we put it up on the wall or a wall of the office. Um, even though we know the area, it's just good to continually look at it uh, with all the freeways that are, and the rails and everything that's in. So you can get a picture before you even go over there. And this is for people that want it to themselves, of course, where everything is in, in relation to the, you know, the CBD. And I'm talking, say, if it's Perth, it's Perth. Uh, and then where all the satellites such as Parramatta's and what have you are. Because when you're over there, it's very hard to get your bearings. Mm. Um, so you need to know what it is beforehand. And because we have you know, obviously quite a network of you know, people, um, we're able to, in conjunction with seeing something visually, speak to a lot of people as well. So, you know, friends and family in Perth, so on and so forth. Just gives us a very good lay of the land because you can be looking at something from a data point of view or even from a ground truth point of view, but the locals have the best knowledge, quite obviously, of where and what and yeah, where you should be going, where you shouldn't be going, and where the hubs are. So you need to be able to create those relationships, not with the real estate agent from that point of view, obviously. I think we've done a pretty good job on this sort of science of researching new market. There's, we could chat about it more and more, no doubt. But um, um, Just remember, it takes three to six months to research a new market for us when we're doing it professionally. So yeah. for the lay investor, don't go there on a weekend and try and buy something. Yeah, well, don't very do it. Don't important. do it over the internet. Yep. Yeah. yeah, very, very good point. And um, I think it's a given that you've done all this data-driven background research, getting maps beforehand out, for sure. Markets, yep. But but what's come really clear to me on this is is this sort of the more intangible stuff. You know, this is the the the, the you know in intelligence speak, 
you know, it's human intelligence, right? You know, um, uh, you can have the, the best satellites and the best eavesdropping stuff, but it's only when you're on the ground and talking to people that you can actually get the real world spoken uh, like a true operative mate oh yeah something <laughs> like that <laughs> but it's good but, but you know i think it's a pretty good analogy right you know it human is. intelligence yeah. is absolutely critical you know if you ask you ask 10 people the same question you're gonna get 10 different answers yeah and I, my big fear is people rely too much upon the data and, and statistics and things like that formulas and, and what have you predictive stuff it's just doesn't beat uh human interaction yeah so that's it that's the uh the the end of series one of, number 12 uh, done and dusted. 12th episode yep 12 months in i've, I've enjoyed it i you know i've learned a lot from that this is the reason why i like doing this right i got one of the best best jobs in australia when it comes to property i get to speak to guys like you and uh increase my my own personal skill set around it but um plenty of gems in there we could probably write about 100 articles off the back of that which which i think we will do it's um and so season Good two, stuff. season mm-hmm. two, season yeah. two, and, and on that note, um, there's a, a channel change. It, it, well, yeah, well, some interesting stuff going to happen. But first of all, a call out uh, to all of our listeners. Um, on the 10th of October, we're going to be doing something pretty unique, and we're actually going to record episode one of series two of Investing Insights as a live podcast. Um, and we invite you all to come along. Uh, I would hurry up and I would register quickly because we're going to be out at Ridges in Parramatta, which um, uh, is about uh, 30Ks from the CBD. You can get there by train, uh, plenty of parking and stuff. But we're going to be recording it live. Um, uh, Stephen Victor from Right Property Group and their team uh, will be there uh, setting everything up and we'll be ready to roll for about what time? So yeah, 6.30 for 7 p.m. start. Six, okay, but you need to register, right? Yes. Need to register. Yeah. Go, to our, go to our Facebook page. Yep. Uh, you'll find the event there uh, click uh, register and it'll take you to the page okay. to register how many spots left I know because I looked at the other day and it was pretty full but um, it's, it's filling up pretty fast okay. uh, we, we will try and uh, create a few more seats um, we'll talk into the uh, venue uh, pull some strings yeah. okay and I'll be out there I'll be there hosting it with the guys um, as well as registering make sure that you uh, send some questions in so as part of it, we're going to do a bit of a Q&A so if there's anything you've ever wanted to know about uh, property investing or you've got any feedback on, on, on um, this podcast or anything we've touched on send those questions through Victor, where do they go to? Questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Pretty easy. That's right. It's good. I like it. Make sure you rate and subscribe. Very good. Hey? Yeah. How's there we go. Marketing? You sound like a, a podcast <laughs> genius. <laughs> I've been listening to you. <laughs> People like it. You know, th- thanks, guys, for the the, uh, the reviews we've been getting on this. It's really cool. So, um, um, I like the, the the deeper sort of you know unpacking all these these key topics and and and, and components of property investing. So, um. It's really good. Thanks for fun. Awesome. Let's keep it up. Okay. Thanks for joining us, uh, everyone. We'll see you again, Series 2.